So a question. I find the term not-self to be a bit cumbersome and clunky. Could you offer some synonyms which point in the same direction? The, the phrase or the, that translation, not-self, is pretty literal translation of the term anatta. And so it's actually, you know, in terms of cumbersome and clunky, it's only two syllables, so it's pretty short. Um, and so my guess is that it feels cumbersome and clunky because the meaning is not so clear. What does it mean, not self? And I'm not going to try to completely answer that this morning, but uh, I will offer a few reflections. And some of us, one of us may give a talk on the topic. It's worth a talk or two. (laughs) But I'll just say a couple of of things that may support um, understanding. what this means. The Buddha, in his uh, teachings on not-self, basically asked us in a couple of places to look at what we are taking to be I, me, mine, what we're taking to be a sense of self, and to kind of check in. Is it what we think it is? In one one teaching, um, he was talking to a group of people who apparently had a kind of a definition of self as being um, something that's permanent, reliable, blissful, and that has an agency, a, a control, an ability to control And he, in that teaching, asked the people he was speaking to, to check in. Is anything in your experience permanent? Is anything in your experience reliable as a place, a source of lasting happiness? And if it's not, if there's nothing, if it's not a a place of, uh, where there's a reliable place of happiness, it can't be a blissful experience permanently. And then also asked us to investigate um, what we think of as um, our sense of self. You know, does it do, is there control? So in one place he said, um, so, so like the, the feelings are not self. And he'd be many things in here. Any experience, basically. Any experience is not self. If experience were self, it would be possible to say of experience, may experience be thus, may experience not be thus. But it is not possible to say that of experience. May my body be thus. May my body not be thus. Wouldn't that be great? May my body not have pain. We don't have that kind of control precisely because the Buddha says, the body is not self. 
So this is one definition of self. It may, may or may not be uh, connected to your own definition, but this way of exploring basically is what the Buddha encourages us to do, to look at what we take to be self, and then begin to look at, is it what we think it is? And if we look closely, we will find it is not what we think it is. Hence, not self. Other ways to frame this maybe in a more common language, what we take to be a sense of self is um, a changing set of processes of causes and conditions. So we, we attribute something stable or solid or continuous to a process. And this is a piece of the exploration the Buddha points to. Look at what, what you are attributing. And, and, and as we begin to look at it, we see that it breaks down. And there's nothing stable in there, nothing existent, nothing permanently existent in there. It's all a changing set of causes and conditions. Munindraji used the phrase, empty phenomena rolling on. More syllables than not self, but maybe more poetic. Empty phenomena rolling on. Sometimes I remind myself in my experience that this is nature. Just, it's like, it's like a tree growing, you know? It's, whatever's arising in this moment is conditioned based on conditions of the past, based on what's happening in this moment. It's conditioned. It's conditions coming together to create this experience. Much as a tree grows based on the conditions of the environment, the weather, its own nature to grow in a certain way, to lean towards sun, if that's its nature. The tree growing does not need an existing being inside directing it how to grow. It grows naturally of, of nature, of course. And so that kind of image for me is also useful, just reminding myself, this is nature. What's happening right now is nature. It's not I, it's not mine, not who I am. This is nature. So that phrase that I just said, this is, this is not mine. This I am not. This is not myself. This is a, a reflection the Buddha asks us to uh, explore with respect to experience. Repeatedly, he encouraged us to, to looking at our experience, looking at feeling, looking at, looking at body sensation, looking at mind states, to reflect and to kind of bring in that wisdom or that understanding. This is not mine. This I am not. This is not myself. That, for me, upon reflection, and, and, and I think... 
you know, the, uh, the teachings of the Buddha bear quite a bit of reflection. They, it's valuable to reflect on what he's saying. That's a pretty succinct phrase, but what the heck does it mean? I spent quite a bit of time reflecting on it. The first two I could kind of get. This is not mine. So that, that sense of ownership, of, possess, of possession. We can look at these, actually, as I reflected on this phrase, I, I, I began to see it as almost like three levels or three different levels of subtlety of ways we attribute a sense of self to experience. First is that ownership, that sense of possessing, of being able to own something. This is kind of maybe the most obvious way a sense of self comes up. This is mine. When that sense comes up, like somebody's taking my walking space, they're sitting in my spot in the hall, that's the feeling of the possessor. What is that like? What is that experience? It's arising in dependence on conditions. So again, conditioned nature. So that one is, is uh, one level, probably the most obvious level of a sense of self. The, the possessor. This is, this is not mine, the Buddha asks us to reflect. This I am not, the second level. Um, and, and this part here, you know, the, the next few things I'm going to say, this is my own understanding based on my own reflections. I don't actually know what the Buddha meant by these. I know something that's useful in my practice based on my reflection and my understanding. So I'm not claiming this is what the Buddha meant by what I'm going to share here. And yet it has been useful to me, and so I offer it in that, in that way. So the, the phrase, this I am not, to me that's the kind of the I am feeling, the I that feels like it does things, it controls things. It, so this is to me the place where that sense of agency and control comes in. I am the one who acts, who decides, who chooses. We feel this as we as we look at the the aspect of the exploration of intention. We can start to see how we identify with intention. Intention arises. We sit in the hall, and there's a pressure in the bladder. The pressure gets strong. There's an intention to relieve the pressure, resulting in a decision to stand, find a bathroom. All of that happens, of course, like a tree grows. And yet, somewhere in that process, we attribute, I'm the one who decided that. I decided to do that. Kind of a mistaken attribution of self to a process of deciding, of choosing, of acting. And so again, this... uh, the second level to me is, is it's a kind of an obvious, it's a more obvious level in some ways. Um, we can really see this pretty clearly in our choices and in acting. So that, that places, the places where we feel like there's, there's a sense of I'm the one who's deciding or choosing, that's worth looking at. 
What, I- what is that experience? The third level, this one was hard to, for me at, at first, a sense of like, well, it just sounds like a repetition of the second, but, um, you know, it's actually linguistically, this is not who I am, that's I as the subject of the sentence, the actor in the sentence. This is not myself. This is not me. It's I as the subject of the, of the sentence. So there's, there's perhaps a subtler sense of self that is the, the sense of I that is just the hapless receiver of what happens to it. This became clear at one point in my practice the sense of recognizing, seeing, I wasn't in control of what was happening. Just seeing it as process tumbling on. And yet, it still felt like it was happening to me. I didn't feel like I was in charge of it, but sure felt like it was me that was feeling all these things having things happen to it. That, as, a, as a starting to see that, kind of pointed to an even subtler kind of sense of identification. So I offer that as a reflection on this term, not self. And if it uh, resonates with you, great. If it doesn't, just forget it. You don't have to think about it or try to remember it. So um, just a couple of things today. Um, there is, um, Sabra it has returned from her time away, and we'll be offering the movement today at um, 2.45. It's on the schedule. Just don't trust me. Trust the schedule. Um, and also, um, it's a kind of a, the midpoint of our time together, and, and that means that Young will be leaving us. Today's his last day here today. He'll be here the full day. He'll be offering sign-ups this afternoon um, and yet I wanted to offer a time for you to, to say some words. Did, is the mic down there? I always feel a bit sheepish about these kinds of things. Um, uh, just a lot of gratitude uh, really benefited from my time here learning from this wonderful teaching team. Um, and as you could probably tell from my the two talks I've offered, just a lot of um, deep uh, gratitude and uh, just really being moved by your practice, uh, really being inspired by it. Um, definitely feel the little bit of an ache in leaving and and also as I've expressed a longing to be retreating in this way with you as well. Uh, 
So it's been in three weeks is the longest I've been able to sort of carve out for myself in these number of years. So uh, it's been very precious for me to be here. Um, and it may be some time before I'm able to do that again in the foreseeable future. So I'm just very aware of this uh, precious opportunity, um, as as I'm sure you all are in being here. So just wishing you well as you keep being here. Um, keep going. I think I think Joseph used to tell us, "Go get them." <laughs> so, all right. wishing you all the best. Thank you. It's another day. <laughs> <laughs>